Hello and welcome everyone. This is the second part of the inner voice. Last week we started to look at how to prepare to make changes in your lives by listening to that inner voice. And one of the main things to begin listening to this inner voice, I suppose, is to practice a little bit of mindfulness. And I know that word is bandied around a lot these days, but it means living in the present moment, which would include having a healthy diet. There's no point in trying this when you're eating chicken and chips every day for a week or stuffing your face with cakes and biscuits. Another is exercise. Now, this doesn't mean that you suddenly start going to the gym and doing half an hour in the morning and half an hour in the evening of lifts and springboards and treadmills. No, it's nothing like that. It's what you're capable of doing and feeling good about that. Another way is to surround yourself with people who support you. And sometimes this can be friends at work or just friends from years ago or work colleagues. And yes, work colleagues can be friends as well and can be very close friends. But there are other times when colleagues are just that. Colleagues, not friends. They're not your mentors. They might not even agree with your dreams or even understand them. Now I'm going to say something that will probably run shivers up some people's backs. Meditation. I know, but I'm not talking about religious meditation. I'm not talking about sitting in a yoga position, you know, like sitting on the floor with your legs crossed. No. And I think I may have covered this in the last podcast. It's about stillness. It's about inner stillness. And the question is, how do you cultivate that inner voice? How do you learn to connect with it? Well, what I find works is finding a nice quiet place where I'm not going to be disturbed. And I think I might have given you some of this in the previous podcast, not the last one, uh, but the one before it. I think it was called Silence. So the question is now, how do I cultivate this inner voice? How do I learn to connect with it? Well, what I find works really, really well is find a nice quiet spot where you're not going to be disturbed. I think I might have brought it down to about 15 minutes. And here are some ideas in how to use that 15 minutes. So get yourself into a comfortable position, but don't lie down. Sit in a chair or at least a comfortable chair or the sofa or whatever, but keep your feet firmly on the ground. Now, the reason you need to keep your feet on the ground is because you need to be grounded. You need to feel the ground under your feet. If you were seeking some form of guidance regarding a particular situation, I want you to formulate the question and write it down. But be specific. Don't go off on a tangent. And this is a question just for you. It's not for anybody else. Maybe about five or six words. Now place it beside you and close your eyes. Focus on your breathing. Begin to inhale deeply. And as you exhale, allow your body begin to relax. Take two or three very deep breaths. And as you release each one, allow your body to sink into the chair. Slow down your breath. Notice where your attention is and if it's outside of yourself. That means if you're thinking about, oh my God, I should be doing the ironing or God, all the things I could be doing instead of sitting here. Don't. 
bring your focus back to your breathing. Sometimes I find that it can help if you place your hand over your heart and just let it rest there. Because your hand feels the beating of your heart. It also feels the rise and the fall of your chest as you breathe. And focus entirely on that. Now silently ask yourself the following questions without judgments and without expectations. Because remember, you don't have to know the answers. The answer is already inside you, but what you want to do is to allow the answer to come up rather than your head giving you the answer. What do I want? Who am I? What is my purpose? What am I grateful for? With each of these questions, take a few moments. Give it a few seconds before you read the next one. But don't focus on the question. Just read it and let it pass. After a few minutes, ask the next question. Do that for about 10 minutes. And when you're finished, slowly open your eyes and begin to notice how you feel. Now pick up the piece of paper that you wrote your original question on and have a look at it. Allow yourself, your internal self, to see if anything is revealed. Now you might have to do that a few times. But don't give up if you don't get the answer on the first try. It might actually take five or six times before you will even feel that you're relaxed. So don't give up if it doesn't work the first or second time. Remember, you don't have to have the answers right now, right at this minute. The answers may not come in the middle of the 10 or 15 minutes. Actually, in fact, it might come at some other point during the day when you least expect it. You might be in the middle of doing your shopping and the answer will come. Now I can hear the question, what has that got to do with emotions and where they're at? and why I can't use my voice. If you're not listening to your inner self, if you're not allowing that part of you to come up, then you're not being the real you. And if you're not being the real you, then why would you think your emotions are hidden? Duh. Because if you're not being the real you, then part of you is missing. Where is it? You've hidden it. Now do you get it? Okay. When you listen to the inner voice, you learn your true emotions. You learn about them. And they're not always negative. In fact, they can be very, very positive. But because of society and its expectations, or your family's expectations, or your friend's expectations, you hide those emotions because they're not acceptable, even if they actually are. But by allowing the inner voice to be heard, you become more real and more yourself and more accepting of yourself and therefore more accepting of what you really feel. You're then capable of choosing how to release those emotions. So therefore they'll no longer be hidden unless you choose to do so. Now this also goes for the negative as well as the positive emotions. Here's a quick question for you. Does your actual voice reveal more about your emotion than your face. For over a year now, the places and the families throughout your world and throughout the world have all gone online. 
we send countless emails, texts, you know, video chats, because we can't actually travel to meet. So you can't physically stand in the presence of somebody. You can't actually have a meeting with somebody. Having any sort of interaction with a person now feels like it's a luxury. The problem with this is that I believe we're losing the ability to connect and empathize with our fellow human beings. And therefore happiness and compassion are also disappearing. When we empathize with somebody, it means having the ability to understand that person, to be able to feel their emotion and understand where they're coming from. So how do you actually try to identify or connect with somebody else's emotions? One way is through their facial expressions or their voice. How many of you, when you're with your family, know when they're having a bad day? They might not say it. Their look does. Or they're behaving out of it. Or both. Now, if somebody is listening to their inner voice and they shared it in their own way and in their own words, and somebody else is listening, that somebody else might be able to help and support them at that moment. Why is it that you try to understand other people's emotions and yet you deny your own? Is it because you think it's expected? Oh, I'll have to be there for the other people. So what am I really saying to myself? Am I really saying I don't matter? I'm not worth it. I don't value myself. One of the other reasons we don't like to listen to our inner voice is because, in fact, we don't like to hear our physical voice. And why is it that we dislike our own physical voice? It actually makes us cringe when we hear our voice back. Would you believe that that is actually very common? And they do have a name for it. And it's called voice confrontation. Why is it that we dislike the sound of our own voice while we barely give a thought about listening to others? Actually, there was a study done in 2013 where participants were asked to rate the attractiveness of about 15 different voice recordings. And one of the voice recordings was actually their own. And it was secretly mixed in with those samples. And would you believe participants gave significantly higher ratings to their own voice when they didn't recognize it as their own? So again, I would ask you, why is it that you dislike to hear your own voice? My belief is that because we don't listen to our outer voice, our physical voice, therefore we don't hear our inner voice. And when we do hear it, we don't recognize it. Now, even though we can listen to our inner voice and it can tell us the feelings that we need to express, expressing them can either be easy and having it come naturally, or it can be hard and you can avoid them and hide them, which is what most of us do. For example, the stereotype around the man having the hardest time expressing their emotions. Everyone at one time or another in their life may find it difficult to say how they feel. Understanding and learning why we might be, have a difficulty in expressing our feelings 
can go a long way into changing that behaviour. Now, there are a number of reasons or excuses we might find it difficult to express our feelings. And especially if we have to express them to somebody else. And one of those is called conflict phobia. And this is where you might be afraid of angry feelings from the other person. So you don't confront anybody. You don't have a conflict with anyone. You also may believe that people with good relationships should not engage in having a fight with somebody or having any sort of an argument with anybody. You may also believe that if you disclose your thoughts and feelings to those who care about you, it might result in them rejecting you. In fact, there is a word that is used with this type of phobia and it's also called ostrich phenomenon. And this is where you can bury your head in the sand instead of looking at and sorting out a relationship problem. Another reason or excuse is called emotional perfectionism. And this is where you believe that you shouldn't have feelings such as anger or jealousy or anxiety. It's where you think that all rational and control of your emotions is with you and that you must be in control of those emotions. You might even be afraid of being exposed as a weak person or a vulnerable person. And this can be very unpleasant and uncomfortable. You can also believe that some people might reject you if they know how you really feel. But they might even make sarcastic comments about what you feel. Now part of this is the fear of disapproval and rejection. And this is because we're terrified at the thought of being rejected and maybe ending up alone. You would rather swallow your own feelings and put up with some of the verbal abuse or the emotional abuse or the chance of making somebody mad at you. You have the need to please people and to meet what you perceive as their expectations. And you might even be afraid that people would not like you if you expressed all the thoughts and feelings that you have internally. And there's another reason, hopelessness. You might be convinced that your relationship cannot improve no matter what you do because you may feel that you've already tried everything and nothing seems to work. You may find that your belief is that your spouse or partner or your friend is just too stubborn and too insensitive to be able to change. And once you have given up, a recognised position of hopelessness will support your predicted outcome. Now, low self-esteem can make you believe that you're not really entitled to have feelings or to express what you need to others. You have a belief in your mind that you should always please other people to meet their expectations and leave your own in the background. Mind reading is where you can actually believe that others should know how you feel and what you need, even though you haven't expressed it. Now this position that individuals close to you can mind read what you need will provide you with an excuse to engage in non-disclosure and therefore you then feel resentment because people do not appear to care about your needs. And here's one that you may not have thought of. Martyrdom. This is where you fear to admit that you're angry or that you're hurt or that you're resentful. Why? Because you don't want to give anyone the satisfaction of knowing that their behaviour is unacceptable. The thing about 
taking pride in regulating your emotions and expressing your hurt or resentment. There's nothing to clear or help practical communication. So when we've actually listened to our inner voice and we've determined that we do actually have hidden emotions and feelings and we begin to make a decision to express them, those genuine feelings, how are we going to go about expressing them? Well, I have a couple of ways that might just help you to do that. However, this being a bit like um, who wants to be a millionaire and you're waiting for the answer to the question, I'm afraid you're going to have to wait for part three. Stay well, stay safe, namaste.